This is the message from Connection Community Church for this Christmas Eve 2013. All I want for Christmas, what God wanted. Merry Christmas, Connection Church. It is great to worship with you right here at Reading Middle School and share Christmas Eve worship together. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are so excited to also share with you that it's the birthday of our church. 12 years ago, Connection Church was started, and um, well, here we are at Reading Middle School with multiple services, and God is so good, amen? Amen. Amen, yeah. Well, we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? Almighty God, thank you so much for today, for this evening, that we could gather in your name and worship who you are and whose we are. God, thank you so much for this opportunity. We just pray that hearts would be open, that people would feel your touch, your nudge. Settle us in, Lord. We give this time to you in Jesus' name and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And everybody gathered said, Amen. Amen. All I want for Christmas. That has been our theme for the past month at Connection Church. For the past four Sundays, we have considered that statement from from a variety of points of view. At the beginning of December, we looked at what everyday people, how they might respond to that question, all I want for Christmas is, followed by uh, the leaders, the religious leaders, the political leaders. And then week three, we took a look at Jesus' family, Mary and Joseph and Elizabeth, the parents. And then just on Sunday, we took a look at the visitors, the shepherds and the wise men. All I want for Christmas. And so tonight, we consider this idea once again, and our focus is God. What would God have said to complete the statement, all I want for Christmas? Before we jump in here, let's offer a little disclaimer. You know, uh, when we talk about what God wants, we are not in any way suggesting that we fully know, completely, or even mildly understand the mind of God. That'd be pretty absurd, don't you think? Nor are we insinuating that even the slightest way we can speak for God, um, who created all that, would be a little far-fetched. What we're saying (coughs) is this, with the evidence that we find in Scripture and our own personal experience and what we've heard experience from others, we're going to offer what would seem to be what God would complete that sentence, all I want for Christmas, here at the birth of Jesus Christ. And so, here we go, in a nutshell, all I want for Christmas what God wanted. Well, what God wanted at the time of Jesus' birth is the same thing that God wanted at the beginning of time, and it is the very same thing that God wants right here, right now, today, tonight, December 24th, 2013. Pure and simple, God wants a personal relationship with each and every one of us. You, me, the rest of the world. That's what we had to start with 
And once that changed, God has been pursuing us ever since. That's what we had to start with. Remember way back, in the, well, you might not have been there, but think back when you, the book of Genesis, uh, <laughs> chapter 1. God, with just a few words, brings everything into being, creates it all, including humankind. And he saw that it was good. Yeah. And rested. And, and then we, we turn to chapter 2, and we, we kind of go back, and we get a picture uh, of another side of God, another aspect of God, uh, uh, the personal side, the side where we see God scooping up a handful of dirt from the ground and breathing the breath of life into the very first human being. Now, that's personal. It can't get much more personal than that. And he talks with the man and gives the man direction, tries to protect the man. He recognizes the man as alone, creates a suitable helper, a companion for him. We're told that the man and the woman were naked, and they felt no shame. This is a real simple way of conveying that they were at peace. They were in harmony. They were innocent. And that was an absolutely personal relationship with God when they were so in sync with God. They had nothing to hide. It was good. It was very good. And then came the fall. Capital F-A-L-L, fall, the greatest fall of all time. Adam and Eve chose poorly. They chose to go their own way rather than God's way. They chose to listen to Satan instead of God. And in so doing, the personal relationship with God was broken. Sin entered the world, and pain, sorrow, brokenness, alienation, and hurt became Adam and Eve's reality, the reality for humankind. No longer innocent, they realized they were naked, vulnerable, and they tried to hide from the one who had created them, the one who loved them, the one who wanted only to have a personal relationship with them in order to share all the good things God has to offer. In the midst of their hiding, God pursued them, just as he pursues you and me. He pursued them, calling out to them, asking them, where are you? Continuing to care for them, continuing to love them, in spite of them rejecting the love God had to offer. All that, and we've just gotten to the third chapter of Genesis. The rest of the Bible, every single page of the Bible is a love story. It's an un unfolding, continuing love story that God has for God's people, that God has for the people who God created. He created you. He created me. And it's God's ongoing desire to have a personal relationship with us, a relationship where we seek God where we trust God, where we talk to God, where we listen to God, where we count on God, where we fall before God's presence, when we realize day in and day out that we are lost without God. 
we realize that we've messed up and that we haven't done what God has wanted us to do and we've done things that God's told us not to do. And we realize continually that sometimes we think we know better than God, know what's better for us than God does. And so like Adam and Eve, we, we do what we want rather than what God wants, choosing poorly and suffering painful consequences over and over and over again. We read of this throughout the pages of Scripture. We find in the Old Testament God brings his commandments to the people through Moses, but the people continually fight against what God has told them. Again, choosing their own direction over God's. And then throughout the Old Testament, we see this pattern of God's people getting close to God and then choosing to push away. And the pushing away takes up a whole lot more pages in the Old Testament than the getting close. You wonder, what are they, are they afraid of? Are they afraid of a personal relationship with God? And if so, why? Are, are they fearful of what God might ask of them? Or perhaps they're just selfish. Perhaps they are focused on the great I, or me, instead of the great I am, or God. Now you would think that God would get pretty tired of all this, of, of running toward God, then running from God, uh, toward God, from God, that sooner or later that God would have enough. God hangs in there. I want to say that again. God hangs in there at every point in our lives, at every point in humankind. Even when God wanted to get rid of it all, he kept a remnant, Noah, and Noah's family, once again seeking that personal relationship with humankind. That's us. Over and over and over again. Over and over and over again, even more. God reaches out. God seeks this personal relationship with us. And over and over and over again, and over and over and over again, we rejected what God had to offer. And all of that leads us to tonight. The night on which God offered us the ultimate in terms of a personal relationship with him on this night, this Christmas night, God literally came to us in the flesh, face to face, person to person, Emmanuel, God with us, meeting us right where we are, just as he did in the beginning with Adam and Eve. The difference is this time, he did it through his son, Jesus the Christ. Jesus, who came to personally share God's message of love, unending, unconditional love. He came into the world just as each of us did, a baby surrounded by the water of the womb, born to a woman with all those baby needs and wants. You know, even though the song says, the cattle are lowing, the baby awakes, <laughs> but little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. Oh, that boy. is probably not true. <laughs> of course he cried. He's he was baby. human. He was a baby. And that's the thing about Jesus, fully human, yet fully divine. 
that is so complicated for us. It's such a hard concept for us to grasp. But that's a very doable concept. It's a very doable thing for God. Human, yet divine. Fully human, fully divine. Let's jump ahead 30 years. Jesus begins his ministry. We read in the books of all three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. The first thing he did to start his ministry was go down to the river, and he was baptized by his kinsman, John, John the baptizer. Baptism was an outward and visible sign of a cleansing of the sin. Well, Christ had no sin to be cleansed of, but what he was doing, he was cleansing himself on behalf of you and me. He's baptized for our sin, not for his. And in so doing, he offers that close personal relationship that God has been offering to us from the very, very beginning. In the book of John, in the <coughs> New Testament, we see Jesus' first miracle, and that's changing water into wine. He was at a wedding, and the host ran out of wine. And so Jesus transformed that water into wine so that the host wouldn't lose face. You see, it was a very loving thing to do. It's what Jesus does for us. He comes into those places in our lives and, and intercedes. Intercedes for you, intercedes for me. In a very personal way. Let's go back to the manger. You know, God didn't on um, uh, December or whatever the date was, the day before Jesus was born, say, hey, I've got an idea. Of course not, because she was pregnant for nine months. Let's go back nine months. Jesus didn't say, or God didn't say, hey, I got an idea, Mary, boom. He'd been planning it for years and years and years and years and years. That's why all of the Old Testament prophecies wasn't something that just happened, that God just dreamed up. God had that long in the making. Prophecies that told where he would be born. Prophecies that told which family he would be born into. Prophecies that said he would be born of a virgin, that he would be called Emmanuel, God in the flesh, uh, God with us, that he would be heir to David's throne, that he would even be rejected by his own people. The list of those prophecies goes on and on and on. God's ongoing desire for a personal relationship with each and every one of us has been and continues to be God's plan from the beginning. That's why God created us, in order to share with us who God is, in order to share with us what God does, in order to share with us what God has in a very personal way. It doesn't get more personal than bringing your son into the world. The scripture that is so near and dear to me, and I know to many of you, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He sent his son into the world to live and to die and to rise again for you and me so that we could have this one-on-one -on -one relationship. In the Bible, we read about a time when Jesus told Philip and the other disciples many years later, he was preparing them for his death and this is what he says in John chapter 14. He says, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? 
Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? You see, the baby in the manger, the Son of God, God in the flesh is the ultimate expression of God's desire to be in a personal relationship with you and me, with all of us, with everyone on the planet. And this scripture says that when we've seen Jesus, we've seen God. When we've seen Jesus, we've seen God. The wise men knew that. That's why they fell to their knees and they worshipped him when they saw him. The shepherds knew that. That's why they praised God and went to the manger when they saw that heavenly host of angels in the sky bringing them good news. And then they didn't just keep it to themselves. They went and shared it with everyone who they saw, who they came in contact with. You see, the wise men and the shepherds, they had a personal encounter with God. That's what tonight is all about, a personal encounter with God. God's ongoing desire for a personal relationship with us. You know, we had it there at the beginning, but sin, our sin, got in the way. Through our words, our actions, sometimes even our inactions, we push God away, preferring, as Adam and Eve did, to make our own choices, to make choices other than the choices God would have us make. And unfortunately, we have a very bad habit of choosing poorly. And so this sin separates us from God, and, and we need someone or something to take that sin away, to close that gap. We need a Savior and it's not us. We cannot save ourselves. Jesus Christ is the Savior. Jesus is the Savior of the world, the one born in a stable in Bethlehem, lying in a manger. He gave his life as a sacrifice for you and for me, paying a price that is too great for us to pay for ourselves, closing that sin gap. That's a, a good um, picture for me in my brain. Closing that sin gap with God. Allowing us to be in this personal relationship with God, what God desired for each one of us from the very beginning. A close personal relationship that God desired when God first thought of each one of us. It's available. It's available to everyone tonight. Everyone here, everyone in all the nooks and crannies of this entire planet. This relationship is available to everyone. Thanks to the baby born in a manger in the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. That's what God wants for Christmas a personal relationship with each and every one of us, a personal relationship with you and with me. So what about you? Do you want to walk with God, sharing all he has to offer, enjoying the unconditional love that God has for you? I'd like you to consider this. Consider allowing yourself the possibility, just the possibility, of a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ.
Consider inviting the one born tonight to be a part of your life. For those of you who have been walking with Jesus already and you have a taste of just how good Jesus is, that's okay. You can have that invite too. We can never invite Jesus off enough. It's like a daily invite. Jesus, come into my life. You know, you might be saying and allowing him a bigger piece of you. <laughs> allowing him into one of those little corners, one of those little dark corners you haven't allowed him into. You remember how Adam and Eve kind of hid? We kind of hide things too. Maybe allow him into one of those corners you've been protecting, <laughs> hesitant to completely surrender. Maybe it's um, some poor health choices you're making. Maybe it's an addiction that you up to this point, haven't been ready to let go of. Maybe it's a, an unhealthy relationship you're involved in. Maybe it's just an ongoing grief that you just, over a loss that you just can't seem to, to shake. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's your need for control. Maybe it's a, a constant worry. Maybe it's some hurt habit hang-up that you just cling to can't seem to release. You know, God wants what's best for each and every one of us. And he wants that through the personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what God wants for Christmas. What about you? Are you willing to invite him to be a part of your Christmas this year? Or allow him to be a bigger part of your life? for Christmas this year. We're going to close in a prayer. And I'm going to offer a, a prayer of invite to Christ into life. If you've never offered this prayer before, I, as I walk through it, I would encourage you to say the words after me. It's a prayer of invitation to Jesus. It's a prayer of recognition of that we're sinners in need of a Savior that we can't save ourselves and we realize our only hope of salvation is in that personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. If you've said that prayer before, that's okay. <laughs> you can say it again. I don't think Christ ever gets tired of hearing us say we need you in our lives. Let's pray. Most holy God, I... I just pray on behalf of each one here. I, I pray your Holy Spirit would visit us right here and now. As I know the Holy Spirit's been here all night, but I pray they would experience in a new and very real way. I pray that each one here would know your very presence here tonight. Maybe for the first time, for the thousandth time. I'm going to offer a prayer, Lord, on behalf of those gathered here. A prayer that some maybe have said before and a prayer that some may be saying tonight for the first time as they follow what I share. I pray this for myself and for each one gathered here, Lord. Lord, I'm a sinner. What I do and what I don't do is separate me from you. I don't do what you call me to do and I do the things you tell me not. And as a result, there's a large gap between us. 
And no matter how hard I try, I cannot shrink that gap on my own. I'm not that good. And when I try to shrink it, <laughs> my pride gets in the way and it just makes it bigger. And so I come to you in recognition that I am a sinner. And in this recognition, I know I need a Savior that will make me right with you, will close that sin gap, and allow me to fully enjoy and appreciate all that you have to offer. I need a Savior, and I know I can't save myself, Lord. And I know the Savior is the very one that you brought into that stable 2,000 years ago, your son, Jesus the Christ, born this very night in the city of David, the Savior, Christ the King. I know he is the Savior. I can't save myself, but you can save me through your son, Jesus the Christ, who died on the cross so that I might live. Most holy God, I... I just um, seek you. And Jesus, I ask that you be a part of my life or a bigger part of my life. I ask that you would take over my life. That I would know you in a very real and personal way. And in so doing, God would become very real and personal to me as well. Please open me to your uh, healing, saving grace, Lord. Thank you for dying for me. It's in your name and in your Holy Spirit that we pray. All Connection Church said, Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at www.connectioncc.org. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life that he offers.